It's about time we pop this bubbly. So welcome back. This is episode three of Buckets of Black and Gold. I'm your host, Joey Buckets. So let's get right into it. Um, Pretty interesting week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of topics to cover. Um, I know we had a a pretty significant loss last week against the Seahawks. Uh, A close game, closer than you would have expected considering the situation that happened. So, as everyone knows, Ben Roethlisberger went down with an elbow injury. Uh, Mason Rudolph came in, got significant time. He he played from pretty much halftime on and looked pretty impressive. He he looked confident, and the offense seemed to have clicked with Mason out there leading the team. Now, I know the Steelers lost that game, but it was still a very exciting game with a lot of bright spots. Um, uh, some of the bright spots of the game would include Mike Hilton with that strip that was recovered by Mark Barron and, and should have been a touchdown. Actually, a touchdown that <laughs> got called back on this bullshit blocking call that I, I still can't believe that the NFL has implemented rules such as this. That block was something that was a standard block just years ago. I mean, if you recall the James Harrison touchdown play in Super Bowl Forty Three. I imagine how many illegal blocks they would have called on that play if that was today's NFL. And this is only 2019. Super Bowl 43 was not that long ago, folks. So it's very interesting to see some of the uh, just the the evolution of the penalties that have been called lately. But um, other than the uh, bright spots of Mike Hilton, Mark Barron looking pretty good, Mason Rudolph looked confident as a leader and is really starting to kind of develop a rapport amongst the team, which is good. Um, You saw a couple of kind of darker situations, though, with Dante Moncrief just dropping catches left and right once again. Uh, Hard to believe that he's going to be a starter the remainder of the season, and it looks like he's already been benched uh, in favor of Deontay Johnson, who looked pretty decent last week. You're going to get to see a little bit more of him. I would like to see a little bit more James Washington. I know last year was not a great year for him, but he could come out and prove himself. I know he had a couple of big plays last week, and at least big opportunities for big plays. Maybe he didn't capitalize as much as we'd like him to, but he could come out looking very good out of this situation. Now, Mason Rudolph and him have rapport from working at Oklahoma State, so you can kind of see him and Mason maybe hitting it off within the next few weeks and could be looking like something to look forward to for the Steelers. So moving on into later on in the week, we had Ben Roethlisberger obviously going down with the elbow injury, needing surgery. He's going to be out for the remainder of the season. Expected to be back next year. Uh, man, it would be quite interesting to see if Mason Rudolph comes out looking really good as the starter, what's going to happen to the Steelers going forward? Now, I know that Mason had a really good game last week. Uh, the locker room seems extremely confident about him. 
and uh, even so much so that you had Mike Hilton when uh, Mason Rudolph was about to get interviewed by the press. Mike Hilton walks by. He goes, "Hey, tell him you're built for this shit, Mace." I, I mean, just for a veteran player, uh, the caliber of Mike Hilton actually, and, and that's funny to say because you don't think of Mike Hilton as like a superstar or anything like that, but. He really fits in with the culture of Pittsburgh. For him to give a kind of a ringing endorsement in a way of the confidence of Mason Rudolph and just the poise that he has, um, it's very impressive to hear. Uh, it almost seems like he's going to have a lot of uh, backing behind him and just a lot of love from the locker room, which is going to go a long way in building him up to be the Steelers' starting quarterback uh, from here it could be on out, honestly. I, I mean, depends on what happens to Roethlisberger, but if Mason Rudolph does well enough, what's going to happen? I almost look at the situation and, and see something similar to what happened with the Pittsburgh Penguins when you had uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, who was being backed up by Matt Murray. Matt Murray came in, looked very confident and strong, and the team supported him, and Matt Murray eventually took the starting job. I mean, it would be so nice to see something happen like that to where Ben's essentially passing the torch, not by will, but kind of by you know an unfortunate circumstance. But if you see Mason Rudolph coming in and kind of lighting up the NFL, uh, it's the most ideal situation. So I know that a lot of people are writing the Steelers off right now. They're zero and two, and um, I mean I, I don't I don't know if I'm going to see them going on a run like when Ben came in and they had this amazing defense, an amazing run game like they did in uh, 04 when Ben took over for Tommy Maddox. But uh, I could see Rudolph coming in and at least adding some excitement to the to the whole Steelers football culture. I mean, it, honestly, and it's because of the change, this is why I'm so excited about the rest of the season going forward. Um, I mean, you've kind of always seen the same old thing on the field from the Steelers lately. And uh, it's just something that's kind of different to to look at. It's kind of exciting. I mean, even watching the game last week, I was so excited just to watch that. Even though they lost the game, it it was just a a very intriguing game and just a lot of storylines and a lot to think about. It, It put some interest into watching the games. And now... I know I'd much prefer the other situation where you have a a known, proven, just uh, all-world quarterback, right? But if you look at it from the perspective of uh, at least this is something different and we can, you know, hope that what if something miraculous happens here? It at least provides you with just a little bit of uh, faith that maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers have some kind of magic left Uh, in those terrible towels. So another big piece of Steeler news that happened this week was um, just the same day that Ben Roethlisberger goes down with the injury and um, we we discover that he has to get surgery and he's going to be out for the entire season. It's about 12.30. I get a call, or sorry, a text from one of my buddies and I I could not believe it. It woke me up at like 12.45 a.m., and the Steelers had traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. I, I personally am almost in disbelief that that the Steelers did this, and it's not a negative. I, I'm very excited about the situation. Um, they traded a first-round pick in 2020 to get Minka Fitzpatrick, one of the 
uh, youngest, best defensive backs in the league. I know he played corner at Miami. He was a little bit out of position from what I've heard, uh, but is going to be moved to safety. He's going to be 39 out on the field. You're going to see him this Sunday against the Niners. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see the Steelers, you know, with this newly acquired talent out there on the field. I know their defense has been something that they've been trying to build up lately. Uh, just, I think it's going to be exponentially better with somebody out there that can cover, um, you know, some of the deep routes. Uh, maybe sneak up, get on one of the tight ends, start blitzing. You know, it's just it. There's a lot of possibilities. And it's very exciting to see that the Steelers almost haven't given up on hope considering the Ben Roethlisberger situation. Now, I don't know if that's something that maybe they thought, okay, let's try to get some butts in the seats at Heinz Field. So let's try to bring in a talent, Mega Fitzpatrick. Okay, he's a star or a budding star and he's going to be a star for years to come. So we need something to really uh, you know, keep the engagement with the fans. But it almost, to me, it looks like the, the Steelers are – supremely confident in Mason Rudolph that that he can get the job done. <laughs> I know that they're going to need the defensive talent regardless, but maybe they're still thinking that they have a, cha- a championship run in them or at least a run toward the playoffs. Maybe this is something that they're trying to do to at least push toward the playoffs. So it is exciting to see that the Steelers would trade for a, uh, a talent, the caliber of Mika Fitzpatrick, and it's going to be very exciting to watch him out on the field this Sunday. So this is a new segment I want to bring to you. It's called the Pittsburgh Steelers Powerball. So I want to give you a couple of uh, winning numbers, as we'll call them. Uh, the numbers this week are going to be 3, 13, and 10. And the reason behind these numbers, well, in week 3 of Bill Cowher's 13th season, Big Ben officially started his first game. In week three of Tomlin's 13th season, Mason Rudolph is officially starting his first game. Now, 10. What's 10 significance? Okay, well, 10 is the amount of first-round draft picks the Steelers now have on defense after adding Minka Fitzpatrick. So you have Bud Dupree, Artie Burns, TJ Watt, Terrell Edmonds, Devin Bush, Cam Hayward, Minka, Joe Hayden, Mark Barron, and Tyson Alualu. The only starters or regular contributors on the Steelers' defense that are not first-round picks are Stephon Tuitt, Javon Hargrave, Steven Nelson, and Mike Hilton, who was undrafted. So let's elaborate on Mike Hilton just a little bit. I know he had that big strip sack on Sunday that uh, Barron recovered that should have been a touchdown. It wasn't. It was called back due to all the blocking penalties. Mike Hilton, I I really love this guy. He is like one of the quintessential Steelers cornerbacks when you think of it. Um, he's not flashy. He he's not like uh, he doesn't talk that much. He almost reminds me of like a Deshae Townsend workman type of guy. But he just gets the job done. I, I know we picked him up. He was a Dallas Cowboy previously, and uh, he, he's just been nothing but. Like the, the the perfect Steelers defensive back when you think about it. Just a real work, a hardworking guy comes out there and does his job. He, he's not like this world-known talent, but 
I, I feel like he's the type of guy that Steelers fans can really appreciate. Uh, when you see him out on the field, he just makes plays. The guy just does exactly what he needs to do and gets the job done so well. I, I mean, I, I know we've got some, you know, star, we, you know, we've got some star cornerbacks out there. But Mike Hilton is really underrated when you think about it. So I just want to kind of give an ode to Mike Hilton and also a thanks to him for uh, kind of pumping the tires of Mason Rudolph, saying, Mace, uh, you got this shit, buddy. Like, you know, that was just a class act for him to come out and really endorse the young quarterback. This guy earned so many, like, points in my book that I just had to give a thank you to one of the more underrated corners in the in the NFL, Mike Hilton. So the next segment I wanted to bring to you is called Social Media Markout. Now, I'm a mark or a big fan of uh, social media stuff, just in general, like Steelers memes and Steelers posts on Reddit and just all these uh, crazy, stupid Steeler videos and edits and that kind of stuff. I'm a mark, and a mark is a term used by pro wrestling or used within pro wrestling that kind of describes the fans that 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 know how corny and cheesy stuff is but they still love it and really appreciate it and find humor in uh in some of the stuff but uh the, the one thing that I wanted to bring to you that I saw this week was on 19th which was uh yesterday Thursday it was a uh, Pittsburgh Steelers video on this day Nine years ago today, it was Troy Polamalu's diving uh, sack over the line against the Tennessee Titans. Um, just an amazing play. Uh, Troy Polamalu, who's going to be up for Hall of Fame induction next year, probably going to get in first ballot. It's an atrocity if he doesn't. But um, he did his classic of uh, timing the snap count and just freaking flying over the line like some kind of lion just attacking like just insanity the talent and just the timing behind what this guy could do um just jumping the snap just meeting the quarterback at the line of scrimmage diving over him and taking him out for the sack so that is just an amazing play by an amazing player Something that was really cool that I saw this week. I love how the Steelers do that um, on this day segment, if you're familiar with it, on their Twitter and Instagram. They share it across all social media. They're not great at plugging some of their own stuff, but when you actually dig deep into the content, there's some pretty good stuff out there by them. But um, that play was just another highlight that adds the real that is Troy Polamalu, one of the greatest players of all time. Go check it out if you get a chance. Um, just on Steelers.com. It was the uh, On This Day or OTD video from uh, 9-19-2010. Nine years ago today. So next I want to bring to you a new segment. Um, I'm not actually sure what's going on or what the segment's going to be. My wife decided to surprise me with like this goddamn notebook full of notes, and I'm not sure what's going on. She's just kind of staring at me and won't tell me what's going on. Uh, she's sitting here drinking Moscow Mule because she thinks she's awesome and better than me. So, Katie, um, 
This is my wife, Katie. So, Katie, what's going on? What, what are we doing here? Well, first of all, I am more awesome than you. But um, we all know that Joe has his uh, moments of greatness, but also moments of pure distress when it comes to the Steelers games. And for those of you who are close with Joe, you know he can get a bit uh, hot and heated. Joey, cool your jets, as they call it, on 4th Down Sports. <laughs> So, for this past week, I decided to take it upon myself and write down some of the things that Joe says, if not screams, during these Steelers games. And we'll see if he actually remembers some of these and if he can maybe give some light on <laughs> why he said some of these. So, one of the ones was, if, you don't, if they don't score here, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> That's just a common thought that I always have. Like, oh, well, if this doesn't go well, yeah, I'm puking. That's it. Like, and throwing up's the worst thing I can imagine in my life. Like, I, I hate throwing up. I mean, I'm sure everybody else does, but I have a legit fear of it. So for me to actually want to vomit out of watching a game, that, that means it's it's despicable what is happening on the field. Not even bad. Despicable is the term I want to use. <laughs> the next few, I think, were a string of... Just bad luck for the Steelers. We have... This is probably when Ben was still playing, by the way. I believe it was. One thing we said was, not only do they screw you over by saying you didn't catch the ball, but we'll throw a flag in there, too. And then that went along with... (laughs) I don't know what what, what situation happened in the game there, but I'm sure it was some (laughs) kind of bullshit against the Steelers. And like, oh yeah, it's an incompletion. It was probably something to Moncrief, in fact. And then they got flagged on it anyway. So like, oh, even if he caught the ball, well, let's fuck him over anyway. Let's just penalize him 15 yards just in case they caught the ball. And we tech- we always kind of throw in the must be paying off the refs. Yeah, I think that much. was actually about the Steelers, though. Like, we are actually paying off the refs now. So many people have convinced me that the Steelers are paying off the referees and all this gambling shit is going toward the Steelers back in the day. Like, I remember there was a specific game about, it was the Miami Dolphins they were playing, and there was this well-known guy that was a gambler that had this video on YouTube talking about the refs screwing the Miami Dolphins because the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, the R's on the backs of the referees actually stood for Rooney, the owners of the Steelers. So all the referees were Rooney family members, so they were just paid off by the Rooney. So, I don't know, that was probably one that was actually going toward us, and I just was pissed off in general because I'm always angry watching the game. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we paid off the fucking refs too. Like, that was something just set out of spite. Like, oh, we did something great, but uh, they got penalized because we're a bunch of assholes. I know a lot of times you also do the come on, keep cheating. Everyone's cheating. Everyone's <laughs> bums. Uh, I think a lot of people saw this. Um, we had the what should have been a delay of game. And, of course, when that happened, uh, Joe decided to scream, it's a delay of game. I can't call it for you. Basically accusing everybody of not doing their jobs. Yep. I can uh, do a much better job. <laughs> I don't know what brought this one on, but you were referring to a Seahawks player and you got so upset and you're screaming, who's this guy? I can't even see his name. His hair is is like all over the place. It looks like a Halloween wig. I don't even know. <laughs> I can't remember either. It was the, the Seattle corner, but he had long hair and I, I can't fault having long hair that covers your name on the back of your jersey. Polamalu did it. But it was like all red and curly though. So it kind of looked like some kind of weird Halloween mask or Halloween uh, wig going on. I just thought it was funny because you got way too upset about it. 
that you couldn't read his <laughs> There's name. There's probably nothing wrong going no. on in the game either. Like, the Steelers were up at that point or, or like, at least fighting to come back. And I just see this. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, fuck this guy with his Halloween wig, too. Yeah, fuck them all. You know, it's just like everyone sucks. Like, everyone that's on the field, like, the Steelers are losing. So everyone's at fault for everything, and everything sucks. At one point, I don't know if this was before or after Ben got hurt, that you basically were almost coming to the fact that maybe we did fuck up and we shouldn't have traded Antonio Brown. But now looking at the news today, I think we're actually okay. So I don't know. What what was the quote? Uh, he said it was something like, maybe we're the ones that fucked up. Uh, I'm already in denial that we need him. <laughs> Something along those lines. Oh, so, okay. So I'm the one that, that pretty much said, we screwed Antonio Brown up. Like, we're that bad. We're at fault for it. We pretty much caused the whole situation to happen. Well, he's an asshole anyway, so we saw what happened. and He got cut by the Patriots. But still, I might blame that on the Steelers. I'm that pessimistic that if we don't win the Super Bowl, we have we have ruined people's lives. That's just what happens with the Pittsburgh Steelers. If we, don't, if we are not perfect... Everything is wrong. Everything is wrong. I don't remember um, what play this was. I think it was at the end of the game. But you were screaming, of course, at Tomlin, going, what are you doing, Tomlin, you clueless idiot? Throw the flag. They did it to us. I don't remember what the play was. But... Oh, I, I think that there was some kind of play that, that should have been challenged. And I can't remember if it was like a one of the uh, offensive pass interference calls or something like that where they should have challenged a penalty, I think it was. And um, we got hosed pretty much. But, yeah, just another situation where if the Steelers aren't winning, everything is wrong in this world, so everything should be done to correct it. The, the police should be notified that something is very wrong or, like, there's some kind of national emergency. It should be on CNN with red text going across the screen, like, Steelers get hosed, something's very wrong, world's not right. I like at one point you started yelling, die, Wilson, die. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I just, feel like I'm watching And he's not a bad Ventura. dude, it's just the fact of, like, you know, <laughs> they're playing the Steelers... I don't want anyone to be able to survive this game. Like, I, I want. Pe- I think there was like someone was piling on him or something like that, and I was like, "Yeah, fuck him up. Yeah, just kick him. I don't care. Like, let's just play a little bit dirty. Not a lot of bit dirty, but just just a little bit." You're like Ray Finkel over here. Yeah. Die, I, damn, die. <laughs> and all my friends accuse me of like, "Oh, you like all the dirty players." I don't like the dirty players, but I also like being the bad guy in, in a way. Being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, like. You look back on it and you're like, man, none of my friends. I'm in Youngstown, Ohio, so you got a lot of Browns fans around here, a lot of Cowboys fans too, for some fucking god awful reason. But um, you get a lot of the Browns fans. So if you go to like a family function, you got all these Browns fans around you. So it's kind of nice to be like the bad guy. You come in wearing the black and just like, yeah, I'm the asshole here. All right, yeah, I don't like your team either. So whatever, what are you gonna do about it? But you kind of relish it like a uh, Joey Porter type of role out there. And you're like, yeah, I, I like to be the bad guy. I like to laugh at the tears. So uh, I guess um, in a way you kind of relish it. Uh, you don't want injuries. Uh, you know, you, you get that. You're you're not an asshole. You're a good person. But you still kind of want to just be the contrarian about every situation. You root for the bad guys. It's fun. Joe also has the tendency that anytime there's like the slightest little – 
I guess, mistake or something happens. It turns into a huge overreaction. And I guess at one point, Ben can't throw, no one can catch. Well, yeah, Ben <laughs> couldn't throw because his goddamn elbow was hanging out of its socket but like Terry Bradshaw. Of that, yeah, you but, tend to say that a lot. Well, it's true. No one can catch <laughs> right no now. Catch. Even Juju can't catch right now. Like he can barely catch. He, he's one of the few that can catch on this team. I man, it's rough with these wideouts that they have right now, and it's going to be really scary to watch them. It's going to be cool to see James Washington out there, but like. Uh, I don't know. It is scary. There's no Heinz Ward out there just consistently grabbing the ball like they used to, man. Um, Juju will be good, but I just remember I, I was very pissed off at every single wideout, even Juju last week. But So, yeah, that gives you an insight into uh, Joe's uh, mind when he's uh, watching a Steelers game and the type of things that he tends to blurt out. Can't wait to see what comes here for our next game <laughs> hopefully not as disastrous we'll see what happens we'll see what happens all right so that wraps it up for this week's episode of buckets of black and gold next week coming up we have the san francisco 49ers 425 start time west coast game you got Mika fitzpatrick versus jimmy garoppolo you got the young Hot safety coming out versus the young quarterback. It's going to be very exciting to see Mason Rudolph out there slinging the ball, hopefully. We got James Conner. We got Juju. This is the new look Pittsburgh Steelers. So this is a whole new era that we're watching. It's going to be very exciting to watch. We hope to see you next week on Buckets of Black and Gold. Thanks for listening. Back again on the right track.